Hey, I'm Kevin Pettit. And I'm Martin Frazier. And we are Loud Americans Discussing Soccer, better known as... Lads. Lads. Ah, wow, we have been off for a week, but we are back. And there has been so much soccer, I've been so fucking excited to talk about it. Uh, Martin, what's up? Dude, it's been crazy. Like, we haven't podcasted in, uh, like, two weeks or something. And there's been everything going on. So, you know what? I'm living my soccer dream. Champions League was back today, and you know what? It's it's better than Christmas. I'm putting it out there. I know. We did predicted Man City was going to beat the shit out of Basel, or Basel, whatever the fuck that name is, right before it happened, and it, it happened. It was like it was like too easy of a prediction. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was literally like I should have put all my money on Man City that game. I probably would have made like $2 even if I bet 100 because I think everyone was predicting that. But the Tottenham-Juventus game in the Uni- in the United Champions League, um, <laughs> I can't talk right now. Uh, we just did an interview, and we've already had a few beers. So this is going to be a fun podcast. Dude, it's always fun. But back to your point about that Tottenham-Juventus game, what a blast. You know what? You know y'all are in for a treat with the Premier League, but let's just take a second to appreciate the beautiful game of soccer. Oh. And Harry Kane beating out Inzaghi, beating out Jekko, beating out uh, Aguero, beating out Diego Costa, beating out everyone to be the first to reach 10 goals. After what, like 16 Champions League games? Holy crap, that man is a madman. Yeah, uh, shout out to Arsenal for totally blowing it for thinking he was overweight. Way to go, guys. Um, you guys idiots. Idiots. Um, that was such an exciting game today. If anyone ever says soccer is fucking boring, you can go, like, just just take a long walk off a short cliff. That's all I got to say. He's being polite. Yes. I will tell you to go fuck off right now and watch a soccer game. Watch yeah, any yeah, soccer yeah. game except, you know, like West Brom games because they're usually ass. You know but, it's going to be a set piece. <laughs> yeah, right. But we're drinking a new beer, new week, new me, new beer. And today we picked up that victory Mighty Things Imperial IPA and Kevin, what do you think about this? This is delicious. Uh we have already had one. We had an awesome interview with our good friend Stan White. Uh we'll get to that interview in a little bit, but we drank one already through this, and it, I think it's like an eight percent. What is it? Eight point three, I think. Oh, that is a that it is a tasty beer. It doesn't taste like that, and it just goes down so smooth. Um, if I was gonna give a ranking, this is probably gonna be my highest yet. I'm gonna say around like an eight point seven. I really like this beer. Yeah, man. I uh, I think I gave a yards a nine point three uh, yesterday or yesterday two weeks ago on the last podcast you know i'm time traveling back and forth i get my marty, shit mixed up where are you going marty mcfly man marty <laughs> but i'm gonna give this a 9.4 solely because it's 8.3 percent and it slips down like a nice little mm. you know like a lozenge yeah, like just, a grandma's candy that you eat and it's just mm. i just feel all warm and fussy when i drink this it is right <laughs> it is um this is a tasty beer um shout out to victory uh brewing company or victory of uh, a victory for your taste that is their slogan um pretty cheesy slogan i'm not gonna lie but it is a victory for my taste though. It, 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 I, it, I, not I, one for my liver this is crossing a finish line for me um but yeah this has been so much soccer going on so we have to start this has actually been a miserable week for both our teams arsenal and manchester united so let's start off with the misery uh, Arsenal versus Tottenham at Wembley. So, Martin, go on. All right. So, before Kevin gets into this, and we all know you're waiting for this shit because it's been a shit week for both of us. We're both angry. We're hangry. It's bad to the sad podcast. <laughs> you know, Eagles won last week. Everything was great. You know, we back to reality. We back to realizing 
We're just not fucking winning the league. And just to give y'all a rundown, the final score of the game, Tottenham 2. I'm sorry, Tottenham 1, Arsenal 0. And it was a fun game as a neutral observer. But first off, Kevin, I want to hear your top three villains of this game. Who fucked you up? Uh, Who hurt you, Kevin? Tell me. Uh, there are so many people on uh, Tottenham that hurt me. In I this world. In this in this world. <laughs> I mean, like, I really have many villains in this world, especially myself as the top one. Um, I think going through the list, obviously Harry Kane has to be one. He's the one who scored the header. I mean, it was an, I can't even blame Czech. I mean, poor marking in the box. It's just... I mean, it's not even poor marking. If Harry Kane's in the box and if you have a ball being delivered by, I believe it was Erickson, correct? Um, just there's nothing Czech could do. And Czech actually, like, this game could have gotten out of hand really quick. And if it wasn't for Czech, who has been slipping up He hard, also slipped up during the game, but it led to no goals somehow. The boy almost gave away a couple like brilliant opportunities and yeah. then just slip by. I remember uh BE warmers, bench warmers that Instagram, Twitter, like uh soccer thing said like uh they posted that uh Jordan Peele uh what's it called gif of him sweating <laughs> of him uh Jordan Peele sweating and said like anytime Petter Check has the ball at his feet, which is how I feel anytime he has the ball at his feet. Um he Petter Check did show up for this game, which is kind of a relief but if we go back to the game i feel like the first half it was like i feel like arsenal could be like satisfied with themselves coming out with a nil nil at the half and like i feel like both teams created opportunities i think tottenham more but i think i was satisfied i was like all right well let's see what we can do maybe get a couple more chances in the second half it didn't seem like many chances were created in the first half Second half, if we're going back to the villains question, Musa Dembele is just a tank in the midfield. He is, Martin brought this up to, since we do nothing but talk soccer at work, he was just like, he is one of the best central defensive midfielders, I we both think, in the world right now. He is a solid tank, just cutting up the midfield, and he is a villain in the midfield. Dude, he's incredible. And you know what? You don't see that flashy Ronaldo style. You don't see that Deli Alley, um, you know, huge ass ego. You don't see him trying to do too much. He doesn't do tricks. He cuts and his cuts are I mean, they're they're fucking brilliant. This man can Fantastic. Yeah. This man can take the ball from his own half and within fifteen seconds he can be at the top of the eighteen, find a brilliant pass, and then they're on the tack. He is whatever every, every single central defensive midfielder should aim to be because at the same time he's the attacking midfielder at the same time he's the defender and he's fun as hell to watch and so number three kevin i gotta hear it who's uh, the third one it's it's the um who from whoville obviously it's christian erickson erickson is such a talent i could see him easily going to another uh, club of maybe higher caliber if you don't consider Tottenham to be a top tier club I think there's a top tier one two where like you'll have like the Barcelona's Real Madrid's Bar- Bayern Munich Juventus's um, and you have like the tier two right below where you have like the Tottenham's currently Arsenal as well I don't see them obviously Arsenal not a tier one club but I could see Erickson being like a Modric going over to another club from Tottenham um it he delivers such amazing ball his whenever there's a free kick if a foul is given anywhere outside the 18 I am sweating I am terrified I think he is such a nice player and he is good at just like I tweeted out I said Harry Kane is going to be torturing 
uh, Arsenal as a longtime tradition, if it's not already, because he just loves scoring against in the North London Some Derby. Beautiful goals too. Oh yeah, the low one last year outside yeah, the eighteen yeah. that curled in. That's that was what I was thinking right yeah. there. <laughs> if you want to think of just like a demoralizing goal in Arsenal's history, that is definitely one of them. Um, and then the second half, there was not much Arsenal was able to do, and the chances they did have, they just totally blew. And it came down to like Lacazette just blowing this great opportunity at goal. I mean, he did have a defender in front of him, but that's a goal you have to put past Lloris. I know I'm jumping around right now, and I think there was a lack of, like, I don't know if it was motivation. Like, Ozil, like you brought up earlier in the week, that just Ozil was just kind of like a ghost again in a big game. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's that Arsenal. It's that, you know, I wrote a, po- a uh, blog, uh, I think, last month about the duality of Manchester United. I think Arsenal is the exact same way. They have this one face of them. They've got this one version of them that we saw against Everton two weeks ago where it's just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, that tiki-taka uh, Barcelona football, it's back. And then you have this, you know, unmotivated, timid, lazy, timid Arsenal where it's almost... It's almost, you know, it it relies on Ozil and the performance of Ozil to either be that, oh, goddamn, Arsenal's back, or where's Ozil? Where's Arsenal? And we saw it again in this game. Ozil, for as great as he can be, it was a ghost again. And when you go down the uh, line at Arsenal and you look at the squad, you can see how Ozil kind of rubs off on his teammates. When Ozil's brilliant, everyone else is. And we saw that, especially with Laka. And Laka was ass. I honestly think that you should rip his contract up and throw it to the wind for his performance in the 15 minutes he was brought on. I think his first touch was offsides. I think that he should have scored at least twice. But I want to hear your thoughts about Laka and why he's playing this way when we know his caliber. We know what he can be, just like Ozil, just like uh, Wilshire, just like Ramsey. We know how they can play. Why aren't they playing at that level, especially against such a deep fucking hatred of Tottenham? That's when, you know, your troops should be riled up going into the fight like like Conor McGregor. Who the fuck is he? Who the fuck him? <laughs> F-O-O-K. Who the fuck are you? Um, it is, I think the whole culture, the whole mindset against going Tottenham has changed. And I love what Raj Bennett from Men and Blazer tweeted out, like, how are Arsenal like grandparents going to tell their kids about St. Tottenham's Day Oof. and like what that Oof. used to mean? It was almost like Arsenal like used to celebrate for the fourth place trophy. They definitely celebrated coming up higher than Tottenham in the table. Um, I think it comes down to Laka. I think he's been demoralized for a couple reasons. Um, one, he hasn't been given starting time a lot this season. I think that doesn't help. That doesn't help a striker. I think it's the worst thing about Laka this year. I mean, from I mean, we'll get into it later, but Mo is crazy but i think arson is crazy for not playing Laka after everything he did for olympic uh, olympic leon he was brilliant there i can't understand why he wouldn't do that yeah i just think it doesn't help that you also brought in another striker a Bamiyank, who was on side for that ball played to him the jack i mean every year you're going to get calls you're not going to get like penalties off sides or you just you know but it usually evens out so by the end of the year, you're like, okay, like we didn't get this, but we got this. That probably shouldn't count it. So what I'm trying to say is I think bringing in a Bambiank, which is amazing. I'm so happy about Alba. I'm so glad he's at my club. I think he's a world-class player when he wants to be as well sometimes. I know he had problems at Borussia Dortmund, especially in the locker room with the coaching staff. 
it's just I feel for Laka, I feel almost bad. He's almost getting like an Isaiah Thomas treatment, like in the NBA where he's being shunned when he's not. He's been just giving the short stick when he's given everything from other. He he gave everything at Lyon, and he's proven that at other clubs. He he scored what like thirty seven goals in the French league. Yeah, or, well, in in all competitions. No, yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so, ruthless in that yeah. league, and he he should have been able to at least had a chance to translate that talent. And like you were saying, I mean, Arson. It's just not giving him the chance. Give him time. Get, let him play week in and week out. Let him get used to this league. And I also, real quick, I just want to throw no, this no, out no, there. No, 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 no. I was, yeah. The other thing is he's also hasn't had Ozil and Sanchez below him many times this season. He's had Iwobi and Welbeck. And when you have these two players where Welbeck is a striker, am I not, am I wrong? He plays more of like a, a like a, like a strike-esque player and you have him feeding you the ball that's not his role so you're getting these two players of lesser talent trying to feed you the ball which i'm not trying to make excuses for him but it's not ozil and sanchez which he came in expecting that front three so for him i think that also comes down to like he was expecting a different formation he was expecting to play with these different players and i feel like arson is kind of changed formation he was doing this back three thing at the end of last year he kept trying to do it a little bit this year where's colson nick i don't know what's happened to him is he injured or not I feel like Lacazette has been just thrown into this just vortex of Arsenal. He's been sapped in, and now he's become the scapegoat at Arsenal. And I feel like he does take the majority of the blame. But when I say majority, I say like little over 50% because I think he has been screwed over by the Arsenal players and by the manager. Yeah, it's really weird because I know every non-Gunners joke is, ha ha, Lacazette, Mesut Ozil, uh, or sorry, Lacazette, um... Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan. Uh, Abobian. Thank you. The Let the Arsenal man okay, say this. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's LMAO. It's thank spelling you. out just all the names of our top attacking four players. Lacazette, Mkhitaryan, Ababian, and Ozil. And everyone had a good laugh. And you know who wasn't laughing? I was. I was. I, I mean, I laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. But at the same point, it was like a, like, <laughs> fuck me. Like a fuck me laugh. See, I, I wasn't even laughing at that. This is what I laughed at. And I think it's because I'm like utterly obsessed and have a problem mm-hmm. um i was laughing at it's actually mao laka isn't part of that equation he's not part of that strike force it's mao it's not lmao so that's my whole thing my ass off yeah my ass off that's basically what <laughs> arsenal's attack is now and it, it's weird to see them brilliant one week terrible the next so i think we got to talk about tottenham what are they able to do in the past two years kind of to you know and I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but fuck you up. But fuck Arsenal up and, you know, claim that top spot as that better team because we all know that team has fantastic talent. But I think the true the true mastermind of Tottenham's surgeons and uh, leapfrog in Arsenal is Pochettino. Mauricio Pochettino, I think, has done an absolutely brilliant job from the back to the top. So what do you think? Why, why? Is Tottenham all of a sudden, even with the great managers they had in the past, why is it now that they are usurping them, obviously? I think it does come down to Pochettino, who I think is a great coach. And I feel bad because the great criticism is, like, what trophies has he won? But he's instilled a culture into Tottenham, which I think if you instill a winning culture, that just transcends to all the players. And I feel like there is a max, a mass exodus coming to Tottenham right now. And I don't think it's going to be... It could be next year, if not the following year. But what he's done is, is definitely like 
the Tottenham I've known hasn't been this like full frontal like amazing force who is a team to be reckoned with. Like when I see them come up on the calendar, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I get, I start sweating, and my palms get sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Mom, mom's spaghetti. Mom's, mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Stromboli. Mom's spaghetti. And it's. It is quite a feeling knowing that Tottenham's coming against you because you know not only attacking, but defensively, they're going to be a pain in the ass. So for me, it comes down to Potch, it comes down to Harry Kane, it comes down to the pieces which they've accumulated and put these pieces together for almost no money. I mean, they literally have the most expensive squad in terms of like what they're worth. In terms of talent, in terms absolutely. Of, in terms of what they're worth and what they got them for, the per uh, what they got per what they should be actually worth is insane. So, yeah. like, Deli Alley is, they got him for nothing. Erickson, practically nothing. Harry Kane, nothing. Harry Kane used to fucking sit on the bench at Leicester next to Jamie Vardy, which is a cool-ass picture when you look at it. Uh, it's, in, sorry, sorry. It's just insane to think what Potch has done with this group of players. And when he loses a player, he instantly replaces them. It's almost like the Patriot way. Like, when you lost Kyle Walker, oh, Trippier. When you lose these different players, you just find a way and in, in, this system which i think he's employed the system so well yeah and i i think the only difference is between you know the patriots way uh bill belichick's way rob Kraft's way and pochettino pochettino's way and uh tottenham's way is patriots reach outside they bring talent in that's being overlooked at the time they bring talent into that club while poch and tottenham most of the time and i'm not saying all the time because that's never the case most of the time the quote-unquote replacement players are from their academy or have been on that team for a year or two. And it's really refreshing to see a team and a coach not demand 75 million signings, not to demand a, a striker for 75 million, a defender for 75 million, a midfielder for 90 million, a forward for 250 million, but instead go to his reserves and be like, damn, I know you're young, but you're looking good. And I, I think the pic- picture-perfect example of that is, like you said, when Kyle Walker left, you know, both you and I, as as football fans, not as United Tottenham fans, were just like, oh, shit, Tottenham lost a big part of their, of their team. Kyle Walker was brilliant for them. Mm-hmm. And Kieran Trippier has done absolutely brilliant this year. I think, I think and I'm a huge fan of the underdogs, uh, Hyung-Ming Son... One of my favorite players in the Prem right Davies. now. Davies. Davies. Ben Davies. Brilliant. Dembele. Brilliant. Kieran Trippier is next on that list. Every single time he gets into that attack, he has such a brilliant cross. And in the Arsenal game especially, he would just drive up that right flank and um, torture Monreal. And he could either cut it back to Eriksen, cut it back to Dembele, recycle the ball, or he could put in a cross that literally put fear into Colshoni, literally put fear into check. So to have that, you know, ready-made replacement, like it's a goddamn clone of Kyle Walker, that's just brilliant. That's brilliant managing. Yeah, he's just, he's a great coach. I could see him going on. I mentioned this earlier, probably Real Madrid, since Real Madrid love getting rid of their managers and bringing someone in. So if Zidane were to leave, I think he's the next man up. And I think Pochettino's address is is even a part of that culture that, all right, next man up. He is a part of that great culture of saying, like, all right, you're gone. I don't give a shit. Let's next man up. All right, so real question right now. At the end of the season, we all know that uh, 
Zidane is going through a rough part. Uh, Real Madrid is kind of going through a rough season right now. Uh, Champions League is there for them to take it. If Zidane gets the boot, do you think Poch will will leave Tottenham? Or do you think he'll stay? Because if he stays, I think the players will stay. Um, I could see Poch staying one more season, but after that, probably you'll be out. So, I mean, it's an early prediction. It's hard to tell. There's still a lot of Champions League. There's still a lot of football to play in the Champions League. I mean, obviously, the league is over. Man City is going to yeah, run away with me. it. Don't so. remind me. Um, but, yeah, we can move on to uh, the next game. Uh, Man City, who have just reaffirmed that they are going to win the league. Sergio Aguero scoring four goals. Uh, a delicious chip over the keeper. <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. Over Leicester that, City. Yeah. But, I mean, it didn't start out like that. It started off with a 1-0 early goal by Raheem Sterling, which when it first happened, I was like, it was again one of those feelings like, oh, he scored in like, what was it? Like this eighth minute. Eighth minute, yeah. yeah. And immediately I was like, oh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. But that was immediately ruined by Jamie Vardy, who fouled up that goal. Um, and he, uh, what's it called? Like He just scores in the big games. He scores against the top six, which is a pain in the ass against us. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Bleacher Report, the only source of Kevin and I's news they posted a picture yesterday. Jamie Vardy's the first player in the Premier League to score against United, Tottenham, Liverpool, City, and Arsenal. And he plays for Leicester. But at that moment, in that 22nd, 23rd minute, when Vardy picked the pocket of, uh, who was it, their new signing, Laporte. Yeah. And was able to drive it to the goal. It was such a Jamie Vardy vintage goal. And I, I, I know <laughs> I say vintage, but he does it like week in and week out. But I love watching Jamie Vardy score goals. The dude can just go right to the goal, put it past the keeper, and then do a Jamie Vardy party celebration. I love it. Uh, vodka and Red Bull every time. I love it. It, it gets me so – gets my dick hard. I love Jamie Vardy. He is such – I can't say underrated because he is just like one of those like – he's like a B striker, you know what I mean? But, but he's got that chip on his shoulder yeah. that's just like, oh, motherfucker, you think I can't play soccer? And, and just, I'm just like – they thought he can't play soccer. I love him. Yeah, it's just it just brings me back every time I see Jamie Vardy score a goal. Because the only time I watch Leicester really is when they play the top six. So mm. like, for me, it gives me so many great memories of two years ago when they won the league, and like it just it like flashes me back where I was and the emotions I was feeling when Leicester won it. And what a Cinderella story it was. It's honestly such it gives me it gives me chills yeah and i think i think this coolest thing ever that kevin has ever told me and kevin and i have been friends for what six years something like that but he can fuck off like 99 percent of the time but True. he showed me he showed me this beautiful fucking newspaper and it's the day leicester city won the english premier league and i have never been so jealous of a piece of paper because it's it's you know it's you know the underdogs won. You know that the people who said 5,001 odds, <laughs> Lester. And that's why I love Jamie Vardy so much. That's I think that's why. And I used to love Danny Drinkwater. Then, you know, he betrayed his cause. Same with uh, Conte. And soon to be Mahrez. But for all this positive feeling about Lester, uh, second half was absolute fucking dog shit for Lester. Yeah, they just, like, shit the bed. Well, Leicester didn't shit the bed. Man City just, just Man City, Man City, Shark Team ooh ha, yeah, Shark Team ooh ha. Um, I'm actually really excited to see Mendy come back. We were talking about that earlier. I feel like he's going to be like the Joel Embiid because he's such a Twitter fucker. Like he literally just like loves to just troll people and like he just loves just like 
uh, what's it called, be trending on Twitter because yeah. he he is really funny. Him and uh, Batshuayi are like hilarious. They remind me so much of Joel Embiid just being savages all over Twitter. Um, the second half was just the Aguero show, which is really neat. When it starts out one one and you realize the game ended five one, you're like, oh, who else scored? Like, was there like two or three other people who scored? You go, no. Oh. No, it was just <laughs> oh. just Aguero, which I feel like sometimes Aguero gets a short stick sometimes. Like like when we talk about marquee, like best strikers in the world, we usually mention like Suarez, Higuain, uh, Harry Kane, even Lukaku, obviously. And we mention all these, well, not in recent time. I know Martin's making a face right now. What Martin's I'm trying to say sad. Is, but, like, we've kind of like let Sergio Aguero fall out of, the comp- out of the conversation of the best striker in the world. And he comes back and just reminds us, all the time that he is one of the best strikers in the world. The score of four goals in a game, there is not that many strikers in the world who has four goals in a game. So to come back and remind us against Leicester, who isn't like a tier three team. Leicester won the league two years ago. Leicester is a decent squad. Harry Maguire is linked to Manchester United. I mean, we'll get more to that later about Manchester United's events. But I'm just saying, Leicester is not small chickens. So Sergio Aguero reminding us why he is a marquee striker and Kevin De Bruyne reminding us why he is probably if not the best central midfielder in the Premier League I think KDB doesn't need to remind us that he is the best central midfielder right now I mean I'm going to start off with KDB then I'll go to Aguero KDB his passing his vision his his touch everything that he does is pinpoint perfect and He's just a talent. The way he plays, it's like he sees the um, pitch from an eagle's eye uh, position. And this isn't this isn't a small compliment coming from a Manchester United fan because every time I compliment uh, City, a part of me dies inside. So a little bit, <laughs> you know. For me to say KDB is one of the best midfielders in the world, without a question, is is huge. I think that he is. His future is incredible. Um, I hope he stays in the Premier League just so I can watch him week in and week out. But to move on to Aguero, I honest to God think people hate him because he is Manchester City. Yeah. Because he is the face of the new Manchester City. And, I mean, we've seen time in and time again. I, I tweeted about it today, the 2012 um, Premier League, Aguero broke every single heart. Aguero! Aguero! Fuck you. Um, broke every single heart of every single Manchester United fan, and he's done this since 2010. He has been consistently brilliant, consistently one of the top scorers since 2010, since 2011. He's a 20-goals-a-season scorer. Absolutely. Striker, yeah. Absolutely, and he doesn't waver... Th- waver from that and he's gotten his shtick he's gotten people talking shit about him saying baby j gabriel jesus is going to replace him he's the future yeah exactly but he doesn't let that affect him which to your point we never really consider when we talk about the best strikers in the world so he falls out of the conversation which is crazy and i real quick before you go on we always like give love to like when we think of man city players he's the one that we always give so much shit to like when yaya Torre was in his prime in man city i love yaya Torre. i've never hated yaya Torre. i've always thought he was a world-class player even though i hate man city 
I love Yaya Torre. He was amazing, but I've always been like, ah, Aguero. You know what I mean? So, like, but go on, yeah. He's easy to hate. Yeah. He's easy to he's hate. He's tiny. I think right. he's, I think he's a short man. face. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. just love to hate him. Yeah, it's just a little short guy. You're like, ah, oh, fuck this little short guy who's just scoring on my team every time. Every time. And I, th- I honestly think that's why a lot of the world, a lot of the pundits, really don't consider him to be one of the best strikers in the world, even though he's proved it for the past five, six, seven, eight years. And I'm going to jump to Raheem Sterling real quick. Fuck you, Raz. Um, <sighs> so good. All right, I'm done. No, I'm, no, no, no I'm, I'm just saying. Kidding. When we um, look at the top goal scorers, it goes like Harry Kane, Mo Salah, yep. Sergio Aguero, and then it drops off because it goes like 24, what, 23, four, 23. five goals, yeah. And then it goes to Raheem Sterling, who's sitting at 15 goals right now. And I think he has like seven assists as well. Raheem Sterling is having the season of his life. And, you know, he's missed. I mean, he probably should have more goals. I was actually about to bring that up. No, no, no. I mean, like, he should probably have two or three more goals because he's blown some great opportunities. But at the same time, he still has 15 goals. Man City is on such a tear that it just hurts me. And it hurts me to think that, like, Leroy Sané was healthy today. He's back. Bernardo Silva scored a beautiful volley today in the United in the you know I keep saying United Champions League. Dude, what's wrong with you? I'm drunk. Are you having a stroke? I'm fucking wasted. Um, <laughs> and the UCL to have Sane come back. The, you were saying earlier, like, do they have like the Patriots uh, doctor? Like, he was just telling them, like, oh no, you're oh, healthy. You're fine. You're what's, fine. That, what's that guy? Tom Brady's doctor. What's his name? It starts with an Adam. At, fuck, I don't, I don't trust name. anyone with the name no, Adam. No, like, not, I don't trust anyone with that. Adam, no, no. Fuck uh, off, yeah, Adam. Yeah, like Adam and Eve. Yo, look yo, what happened. Look, yo, the, the original Adam. Dude, that's biblical. Yo, yo, you know what happened? They bit that apple. Dude, Adam, original it's sin. On you. Yo, I, I if there's try. any Adams out there, go ahead and tweet at our asses and give us one reason why you're an okay. They're the person. original Brad and Chad. Honestly, who started all the bullshit? Hashtag Adam. Adams the ruiner ruiner yeah. of everything. That's true. Um, but anyway, worse than Hitler. anyway, uh, Aguero had the most beautiful chip. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Uh, Man City is what 16 points ahead of everyone in the table. It's absolutely ridiculous. They are running away, and if they win the next five games, Manchester City, on April 7th, they can win uh, the Premier League against Manchester United on the Derby in April. Oh, you're Is that a insane? Fuck. You're a fuck. I'm just stating How facts. How dare you? I'm just stating facts. You're a piece of shit. Uh, I'm a real piece of shit. shit I'm a real piece of shit, but I'm just stating. Do you know Manchester what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Drink. If they beat us to win the title, they haven't beaten us to win the title ever. No, I'm just saying they can win it in April. Is that not insane in April? So now, like, all we can look at is the relegation battle, which is only separated by one point, really. The whole bottom half is also, it's like 27, 27, 27, 28, 28, 28, 29, 30. It is so close at the bottom. I am so interested in this relegation battle because I've had nothing to pay attention to. Fuck the Olympics. I don't give a shit about NBC and their NBC gold. I don't care about the NBC Olympics whatsoever. I don't care about the luge. I don't care about curling. I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is the relegation battle, Champions League, because the Premier League's over. What am I going to watch? I'm going to watch this relegation battle because my swans, swans are on the up and up. Uh, They're teetering. They're teetering. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? First and foremost, fuck the Olympics, especially the Winter Olympics. Um, But secondly, yeah, City's way far ahead right now, and there's no way anyone can catch them. Manchester United, second place, 16 points behind. Liverpool, third place, 20 points behind. It's over. It's done. 
And you know what? I'm not. I'm going deeper than the relegation zone. I'm going to the Champions League right now, <gasps> or the Championship. It's the only right thing now. I have to watch. I right? Mean, exactly. Because Arsenal's in the Europa League, so I'm know. just gonna just fucking off myself. It sucks. <laughs> it, it really does. So you know, as a as a quick summary of the City Leicester game. Fuck you, City. You're the best. You're team the best the team in the world. Period. It really hurts me. I'm going to not sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to a more depressing topic: Manchester United versus Newcastle. Newcastle with a one nil win. Richie with the goal. Martin, what happened? You know, have you ever heard of a storm, Kevin? <sighs> have like, you heard of the perfect storm of George Clooney? Shittiness with George Clooney no, and Mark that Wahlberg. One. That. Worse that, than that. Oh, shit. That yeah. was Mark Wahlberg sucks at acting. I'm just saying. I'm going to put that out there. He's also a Patriots fan, so he can fuck off. I know, but he did play Vince Papali in The Invincible. Yeah. Actually, so, I did know, like him in The Departed. Yeah, The Departed. The Departed. <laughs> what are you, Shakespeare or something? All right, go on. So, this perfect storm of tactics, of player choice, of substitutions, of individual performances all came together for this absolute dog shit game. So I want to I want to start off by saying that half of my brain I'm drunk, sorry. Half of my blame goes on Jose Mourinho. Mm-hmm. The other half of my blame goes on the players of Manchester United. Um I see a lot of players and a lot of fans and a lot of pundits Putting a lot of blame on Jose Mourinho. And do not get me wrong. I do not think Jose made the right choice, tactically or otherwise, for this game. But at the same time, eventually it comes down to the players. I'm going to start with Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba, who who on his best day is the best player in the world, in the midfield room. On his best day, he is the best. And... To watch him wilter like a plant who has not been fed water under Mourinho has just been abysmal to watch. We saw the brilliance at him at Allegri. We saw the brilliance of him under Deschamps. We saw the brilliance of him under Conte when he was still at Juventus. And Jose Mourinho just can't get the best out of him. And what Paul Pogba is doing is really pathetic. If we look at it, because he can be brilliant. He can be a beautiful footballer, beautiful soccer player, whatever you want to uh, word you want to use. But at the same time, he can turn into Ozil. He can turn into a ghost like he did against Newcastle. Now, I can hey, make. Thanks for bringing up Ozil. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> now. It's an easy comparison. It's fine. It's, it's, fine. it's whatever. It's, it's all right. We both suck. So. So. I can make excuses as long as the day is long when he doesn't show up against Tottenham, when he doesn't show up against City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, what have you. Top six, yes. But when he doesn't show up against Newcastle, against Stoke, against Leicester, that's when you really start looking at him as an, in, as an individual player, not as someone who's influenced by the manager. And he's gotten lazy He's gotten pompous. Showboaty. Showboaty. He has a huge ego. He's always on Instagram changing his fucking haircuts. 
fucking getting new fucking celebrity fans. But what he forgets to do is play the goddamn game week in and week out. And it shows on the pitch. Put your fucking concentration on what matters to you. And what you're being paid a stupid amount of money to do. Not on that Instagram, Twitter bullshit. And that goes to every modern ass player nowadays. But Paul Tattoo Pogba. celebrity just wants to hang out with Drake. Mm-hmm. I hate it. No, Preach it. I, I, I'm going to go back to the game. It just seems like Mourinho, there is no fire under this team. And to set up the squad, how he did against this against Newcastle. It's Newcastle who has been in a slump. They have been in the relegation zone. They jumped out of the relegation zone based on this game to play a 4-2 whatever. Back, they played two defensive midfielders who Matic has just fallen apart. He had that one glorious ball to Martial during this game, which Martial should have finished. Well, he was on the right, which goes back to Jose Mourinho. Why the poor, fuck was... Poor placement. Yeah, why was Martial on the right instead of the left? Okay, going on. Uh, Alexi Sanchez playing in the midfield. We tweeted... I remember we tweeted at Taylor Twelman. He's like... He tweeted... Uh, Taylor Twelman tweeted, Alexi Sanchez playing in the midfield. What are you doing? And I we quote tweeted it and said like... Hey, man, this is Josie Mourinho. He's been playing Paul Pogba in the wrong position for the past two years, so get used to it. Welcome to the family, son. Yeah, like, welcome to the family, son. Um, It just seemed like after the goal by Richie, which was just like a dive by Chris Smalling, a dive by a center back, which first off, should you should never play soccer again. It's like if you go 0-16 in the NFL, like Hugh Jackson, you shouldn't be a coach. You should be fired. For me, if you dive as a center back, you should just just never show your face again. Second, Mourinho, after the goal, to sub, to sub, to sub Paul Pogba off this, and put on Carrick, who hasn't even started this year. Then he said this is his last year. This is like his victory lap. So to have him come on and Paul Pogba's face, who looks like he's blazed as fuck on the sideline, he's just like so over it. You can tell... That there is so much discourse in this locker room just based off facial expressions. And it is bothering me. I'm an Arsenal fan. And this is bothering me because Josie Mourinho has done this. In the recent ESPN FC where Craig Burley, if you go on, he ripped apart Craig Bur- He ripped apart, not himself. He ripped apart Paul Pogba saying he's been playing average. He should put more, more effort in. I also, like just because he's been moved back a little bit, he should be doing more. Which, to a degree... I understand, but you got to, like, for me, like, I feel like you should place your player in the best place. I know you just got Alexi Sanchez, but Stevie Nichol, in the last, like, 10 seconds of this, made such a great comparison. In the last year of Josie Mourinho at Chelsea, he just, like, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just shunned, like, Eden Hazard and didn't even start him. One of the world-class players, I would put Eden Hazard in the top, not maybe 10, but 15, like 15 players in the world, shunned him, didn't even start him. And it seems like the same relationship that was going on between Eden Hazard and Chelsea, or with Josie Mourinho at Chelsea, it seems like that is a great comparison of what's going on with Paul Pogba at Manchester United. It is insane the similarities between them between the not starting the subbing off and just the lack of you can see it in Pogba's eyes that he's just not in it yeah and it's it's really pathetic at the end of the day and to your point uh Kev actually sent me a message at like one o'clock when I was tired and I was sick of work wanting to go home watch the Champions League he's like you know 
check out Craig Burley ripping on Paul, and I watched it, and you know what? Truth fucking hurts. He he's right on so many different levels, and. Steven, but Paul, but, but real quick, Paul Pogba still has nine assists. He is still right below Kevin De Bruyne. I know Kevin De Bruyne has fourteen, but he just he just racked up like three in the past game. Which I think Paul just racked up three in the one couple games ago before. What I'm saying is he's not far off, and he was gone for like two months. Like Paul is amazing. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. You're good, man. Um, the, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about United first, then I'll address the you know Pog. Uh, KDB comparison, which I think is stupid nonetheless. But anyway, I think that at the end of the day, we can blame a lot on the individual performances. Newcastle was a team that we were supposed to be easily and by a lot of fucking goals. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Nice, nice. Thank you. The entire Newcastle squad does not have a single player who has scored more than four goals in the Premier League this season. We, on the other hand, have seven. We have two players that have scored more than 10 goals this year, and we can't score a goal. Um, I'm going to talk shit about Alexi in a little bit, but I'm going to focus on Mourinho and the squad right now and the game itself. So, first and foremost, our attackers, our forwards, cannot score a goal. I think that comes down to Mourinho. Uh, He played Alexi in the wrong position. We've seen him in the Premier League for the past, what, uh, five years now? We have seen that he is absolutely brilliant on the left, in the central, whatever. But don't put him in the midfield. Uh, Martial, we know as United fans that to get the best out of him, play him on the left. Why he would play him on the right boggles my mind. How does Rashford get a spot in this? Rashford hasn't broken the first team, the starting 11 in the past month. I don't know what he's thinking. Um... Pogba being subbed off at the 60th minute right after Matt Ritchie scored is it's inexcusable as a fucking manager to take off Paul Pogba in a game that you need to win and put in Michael Carrick who as you said is on a is on a victory tour who has contributed so much to Manchester United and I love Carrick yeah. yeah Carrick as a player and as a person I love him but he is not part of our future. He is not 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 part of our team. He's he's not the difference. Exactly. He's not the difference maker. Exactly. And to do that, to take off Lingard, to take off Pogba, who are the most attacking players in our midfield, it's just stupid from a tactical sense. And then if we go down to the team, it's Pogba. The, The expectations, I don't know... Are they overwhelming him? Mm. Are they are they putting him in like that IT mindset where he's going to the Cavs with LeBron and he's just like, oh no, I'm gonna talk shit. Yeah. Um. Or is he just you know feeling that stress? But Jose Mourinho, in the year and a half that he's been Manchester United's coach, he is not the coach for Paul Pogba. He's if not we, a hugger. I feel like he's Paul, not. I feel like Paul needs we a don't, hugger. He does, but Manchester United doesn't need a hugger. Sir Alex wasn't a hugger. He was, I'll fucking fuck you yeah, up yeah, if you, you mess up I'm for me. I'm going to fucking put my foot up your ass. He was kind of like the Red Foreman from right. like that 70 show. Right. Like, I'm going to put my foot up your ass. Right, and that's what United needs. They don't need a trickster. They don't need a magician like Jose is. I think he's tactically brilliant in the past. These This uh, year and a half that I've seen him, as a fan, as you know, a soccer player, I just can't see the sense in it. And... 
you know what it's it's really a shame to see what he's done to Pogba what he's done to Phil Jones what he's done or what he has not done for Smalling Shaw Matic Mata it just doesn't seem like he can elevate players to the next level at this point in his career and it showed against the Newcastle we should have won the rival game. Rafa Benitez right. which they've all managed the same clubs except Porto well yeah besides like but Inter Real and like yeah. you know they've always had this like fierce rivalry which has always been kind of funny i forget about that sometimes i'm like yeah. oh, i'm like oh wait they they've managed that's right they hate each other they like really hate each other but it's like a low key right like, it's it's not a arson Mourinho hate yeah. it's like you know when um when you're really mad at a family member and you don't let that shit air out at uh, until the family reunion. Yes, exactly. And then you're like, "Well, oh, you know, he's a good coach, buddy. He fucking sucks, though." And that's exactly what Mourinho Cousin said. Austin, I fucking hate that guy. Dude, I forgot fuck about fuck Austin. Yo, fuck Austin. Um, <laughs> another thing is Matic. Even though he had that brilliant ball, just totally just did not do his role a defensive midfielder phil jones at one point is just screaming at the midfield like what are you doing you are not tracking your player down and matich has just fallen off from what he was in the beginning of the season and it just hurt me and this pairing between phil jones and chris Smalling, you've said many of times is an awful pairing and that by and lindelof has been a way better time yeah let me jump in real quick i'm gonna i'm gonna put 91% of the blame on Chris Smalling right here. I think Phil Jones, when he has the right partner, Phil Jones can play well. Um, He needs the right partner, but Phil Jones can play well. And Chris Smalling, all right, every single Manchester United fan out there, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. But Chris Smalling has sucked since 2012. He has been average since 2013. Ass. He hasn't gotten fucking better. Get him out of Manchester United. I don't care if you start Lindelof. I don't care if you start a hurt by. I don't care if you start Luke Shaw in that center back position. Marco Rojo. Where's Darmian? Is he still there? Darmian. I'm not. You know what? That's actually a good question. I think he might have been transferred. We've really piqued my interest right now. Is Darmian? Anyway. Anyway, anybody but Chris Smalling. He is the laziest the most unintelligent defender that United has had in quite some time. Like, Rio Ferdinand is rolling in his grave that doesn't exist yet. But um, <laughs> it is just shocking, the state of Manchester United at the moment. And because the mentality has just totally changed, just just win. We're, like, when I used to watch Manchester United, it was just a win all under Sir Alex. Like, you just know they're going to go out and dominate and win and score a bunch of goals. Yeah, and you point, remember, just, like, Fergie time and all that shit. Oh, like, it was the 90th minute. I would just be like, oh, yeah, they're going to score a bunch of goals. And now it just seems like this timid, unmotivated, like, defensive-minded, which has never been Manchester United. They've been an attack-minded. Dude, I think team. you actually might have to like hold me until I fall asleep tonight yeah, because tears are literally yeah, falling out. Well, let's move on from Manchester United. Shout out to Newcastle for getting out of the relegation vote. What are the tunes, by the way? Yeah, thank you so much because I, I brought this up to Kev like right before we started the podcast. I heard like every single announcer, every single pundit. The every, tunes. The tunes. The Looney Tunes. If any single man, or sorry. Any single fan of soccer, especially Newcastle fans, can explain to me why Newcastle is called the Toons. Hit us up. I I really have no fucking clue. But uh, 
Every time I think of Rafa, I feel like he's a Lion King character. Like, I feel like, isn't it like, isn't that like the monkey, Rafa? Is that the monkey from the Lion King? Rafarika? Rekarika? Mufasa? Mufasa? Uh, Anyway, um, (laughs) let's move on to Liverpool, which our friend Stan White goes into great detail, which is an interview that will be coming on later. So please stay tuned for that. He has some really great words about that. Um, Anyway, Liverpool dominating Southampton 2-0. Um, I don't really have much to say about this game besides it's uh, Liverpool's A squad versus Liverpool's B squad, obviously, because um, there's this amazing sign uh, by this little kid who was holding up saying, like, my dream is to play for Southampton. And then underneath it in, like, small text is like, and then one day be traded to Liverpool <laughs> with, like, an, uh, like a uh, frowning, like, emoji phase. And I was like, I fucking love this kid's banner. Like, this kid fucks. And I was, like, <laughs> so excited about that banner. Um this game was pretty much pure domination pure attacking football by liverpool they play next to man city barcelona and some of the other attacking football in the world liverpool plays some of the best attacking football i've seen oh and, yeah and real quick uh i just knocked the mic i'm so drunk uh mo salah again just a great back heel uh by firmino to uh Salah that was just like so just like when I watched it I could watch it over and over and over if it was a gif I would just like just it was so nice just perfectly weighted right to Salah and he scores again and he's right behind Harry Kane he's having a season to remember and I think it's again the best transfer of the transfer market yeah of the summer transfer sorry no absolutely and um I think Mo Salah is one of the best players in the Premier League right now, um, without a doubt in my mind. And because he's able to score against small teams and big teams at the exact same time. And we see Liverpool's just brilliance in their attack week in and week out. And even when they don't score, it's just fun to watch. And I just want to know, honestly... How did Chelsea let go of Mo Salah? Because he was doing this at Roma for two years before they sold him to Liverpool. Because Mo Salah is a phenom. This is his first year, first actual year in the Prem. And he's right behind Harry Kane, who is a striker of a generation. And he's not even a striker. He plays like a right wing. Exactly. Like he's not, he doesn't even play like a center forward. I mean, Firmino only has like 12 goals compared to like Salah's like 22. And not only that, he has like... I think like six assists to go on top of it. So in terms of goals created, assists and goals, Salah is top of the Premier League, which blows my fucking mind. Like I love Mo Salah. I wish I had a player like him of any caliber close to on Liverpool, uh, on Arsenal. And he is <laughs> so, so nice. And what the biggest thing I took away from this is also Karius played really well. And the whole back forward, like, the get clean sheets for Liverpool is, like, a fucking pale moon. Like, it doesn't happen often. So, like, to get them to get a, what's it called, a clean sheet, even though Southampton is in the relegation zone right now. Not a lot of people are looking at that right now. Southampton is not at their peak, but they are still a quality team who I think can get out of the relegation zone. Yeah, they'll definitely get out. I, I think, I hope they will. Um, But I wanted to talk about your point about Karius right now. Um, in the in the interview with Stan White, you'll see a little bit more emotions come out. So stay tuned for the fireworks. But I don't think, you know, comparing Carius against Southampton, comparing Liverpool's backline against Southampton, and saying like, 
you know, they did well. All right, we can see a future in them. I mean, like you said, they're in the relegation zone. Their best striker is Gabby Adini. Um, their best two players, Ward Prowse, Ryan Shawcross, I think will, you know, leave the team in the next year, year and a half, especially if they dip into the relegation zone. So I don't think we can base Liverpool's improved defense on Southampton. Um, I do think it must have been super fucking weird for uh, the newly crowned Liverpool boy, Virgil van Dijk, to go up against his old team so quickly. Yeah, I mean, it must have been like... Oh, Hello! Yeah, there, yeah, there was the funny uh, tweet, and like there was a report. He actually went into the wrong dressing room at halftime. Did you hear about that? Yeah, he went into... No. The, yeah, Virgil van Dijk was like, oh, hey, what's going on, lads? What's up? Oh! Uh, uh, <laughs> Shit. I mean, he's not British, but what I'm trying to say is, is like, I was just like, ah, f- it must have been such a like, like, dude, get the fuck out of here. It must have been like Houston at the Clippers. Like, dude, you're in the wrong locker room. Get the fuck out of here. Um, which I think is hilarious that he like was just, I think it's just muscle memory. Probably he's just like, this is what he's used to. Um, but again, like it was just a dominant performance for Liverpool. And I think they will do decent in the Champions League. Honestly, I think they'll do pretty well and back to your point about like you know carius you know that's a good game against southampton who's in the relegation zone but i mean take the positives when you can have them liverpool doesn't have a lot of positives when it comes to the back line and the defense and to get a clean sheet i think you should take that and be happy as liverpool fan all right so this is going deep this is going depressing as shit yo what's up is ignorance bliss schrodinger's cat schrodinger's cat yeah but is pretending that Liverpool's defense, Liverpool's carious, Liverpool's back line, Virgil van Dijk, Matip, um, is pretending that, you know, hell yeah, I'm happy that they were able to, you know, control Southampton the best way to go as a Liverpool fan. Because if I'm a Liverpool fan, I know exactly what my team is. Uh, as Arsenal fans, as United fans, we know exactly where our faults are lie in our own teams Mm -hmm. so i think to take that positive to take that you know glimmer of hope away from a southampton game is just not the right atmosphere that liverpool wants to create they want to create that you know competitive Mm -hmm. you're not good enough for this team unless you prove it type of atmosphere in that team so i think that if liverpool fans are happy with their performance against southampton especially the defensive performance then that you know it it just plays into the Liverpool's problems. It plays into that shit we're beautiful up front, but trailer trash in the back. Yeah, I mean, like take positives when you can. You know, like when you find a dollar on the side of the street or a penny, take it. You know, True what I mean. That. So what I'm trying to say is like it's been pretty bleak for the back line for Liverpool. And I think Robertson, honestly, their left back, who I believe is Irish, he is so nice. I like him so much. He's a young great talent and i'm jealous he's not english or he's not of a bigger national side because he is nice he delivers great balls he had one kind of sky during the game but he is i think he's one of the best like low-key uh left backs in the premier league right now that no one's really talking about i like robertson a lot i actually am not a fan of robertson just because he comes from hole um and we're while we're on the topic of hole let's just take a quick second to kind of talk about Ryan Mason. Yeah, that's a which really... Is, that's it's a, really... a fucked up topic, but you know what? Um, Kevin and I both work at a law firm, and we see that people's lives can be turned around in a second. 
And this is really a case of it. You had such a promising young talent with Ryan Mason who fractured his skull against Chelsea two years ago, a year and a half ago, and he just retired from football, all like, types of what, football. 27 years old? 26 years old. Fuck. And that's how quickly life can turn. So in that mindset, embrace those positives. Not just Liverpool fans, every single fan in the world. Embrace those fucking positives week in and week out. Appreciate your players. Like you, We'll shit on players. We'll take it, but it's nothing personal. No, we yeah. We would never talk about someone as a personality or how they are as a person. We just talk about their play on the field and please appreciate all the players like i talk about granite Xhaka. i think he's a waste of money but at the same time i'm never gonna say like he's a shitty person i would just go and get in a beer with him after the game i'd be like you played awful you and bakioko who are probably the biggest waste of money <laughs> in terms of like central defensive midfielders but hey, i'll get a beer with you afterwards i'll cheers I'll, boy yeah cheers like you play for my club i love this club more than i love most things in life so for ryan mason the fact that I saw Gareth Bale post a picture with him because they played together yeah, on Tottenham. Yeah. I was literally like moved by that earlier. And I know it's like Instagram. It's like, oh, that's fucking social media and stuff like that. But to me as a soccer fan who like this is my life. I live and breathe soccer. I do nothing but want to love and read and embrace soccer. For me, I was just like, like imagine like knowing that your career has been cut short because of something so dumb. Yeah, and it, it really brings to light and – yeah, I'm sorry we're getting real with you guys, but it really brings to light how quickly life can change on you. And for Ryan Mason, his family and friends, you know, I'm sorry this, you know, freak accident really happened because there are so many things that can happen out in this world. And it's so awesome to see soccer communities join together, support one another. So my absolute best to the Mason family, Ryan Mason, and everyone that's been involved. But... Let's get on to the villain, the final villain of the week, Chelsea and Olivier Giroud. Oh, oh, Olivier is beautiful and back. I love him and his uh, beautiful and back, BB, I, BB. Um, I love how you described him with his Civil War like bandage across his Dude, head. He looks so fucking good. Dude, he pulls it off. Like Dude, honestly, no. honestly, if he was a Civil War victim on the side, like during the Battle of Gettysburg, if I was a nurse, I'd be like. Over here, you yo, sweet. Yo, you, come you, here, Drew. You, you fucking snack. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it was just a, another reminder that Eden Hazard is a world class player, scoring a brace. Victor Moses with the third goal. What was it? 3 0 or 3 1? 3 1 against West Brom. Um, it was just, uh, well, uh, to go into West Brom's misery again, they're at the bottom of the table, which is which blew my mind. Are I, they really? They're bottom of the table. I, I literally was like, because usually you have Tony Pulis like having them around like mid table, like 12, 12 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Damn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, we're yeah. right here. We're right the ES, here. The ESP is <laughs> real strong right now. Um, 11? 11? Stranger Ele- things? Is my nose bleeding? Oh, okay. Um. Anyway. Uh, Eden has a reminder once again that he is one of the world-class players, which you've said before. Like he does come in glimpses sometimes, but like I still think like he, like when he wants to be, he can be like a top ten player. I don't like people always compare him to like Ronaldo and like my because he's like that left wing like cuts in and like I've seen cuts where I'm like that's very Ronaldo esque. <laughs> let me just remind everyone when we say Ronaldo like or like Messi like or like Iniesta like, let me remind you guys. We're just making comparisons. Ronaldo and Messi are going to go down as one of the top 10 players of all time. If not, like, top five, top one, two, you can make comparisons. I don't give a shit. That's a different topic. 
there is never going to be a player like Messi. There's never going to be a player like Ronaldo. We just use this because this is what we're using as information coming into us. And that's how we make comparisons based on the position they play. So for Eden Hazard, when I say Ronaldo-esque, don't come at me and say like, you're comparing him to Ronaldo. No, I am saying it's similar, but there's no player who has earned as much respect, trophies, and uh, significance as Ronaldo. So do you, I, I just want to do that little tangent because I've gotten shit for saying like, you call Eden Hazard like Ronaldo, they're not even close. And I'll be like, no, what I'm trying to say is it's Ronaldo-esque. It's like they play similarly. Like when I say like, oh, Kevin De Bruyne plays like Iniesta. I'm not saying he's Iniesta in his prime because that's a whole different ball game. I'm saying like you can see comparisons. Yeah, and uh, I'm totally about that because people have given me a lot of shit for, you know, saying messy Lingard. And... I just want to clear the record right now. I genuinely don't believe Lionel Messi will ever be as good as Jesse Lingard. That's true. Jesse Lingard is the GOAT. He's the best player He's ever. He's also British. He's, He's not, also British. He's not Argentine. <laughs> You're right. Mess- that, Jesse so Lingard has never done uh, Messi has never done anything Jesse Lingard's done in the Premier League. Jesse that's true. also Messi's has never, never been won. In the Premier League. Jesse has also never won a world or never lost a World Cup final. That's true. That's Jesse, true. Jesse, if he was in the World Cup final, we don't know uh, what could happen. So, so what we're saying is Jesse Lingard could be better than Messi, but we don't. We don't that's know. a we're, fact. We're I not, think we're not, we're not saying it. We're not saying it. Um, it's an alternative fact, but a, you know, ooh. going back, going back to Eden, going back to my boy Hazard, <sighs> to watch him play, and you know, we've. We've watched him play since he started in the Premier League. And every single year we see someone saying, but Eden Hazard is not as good as so-and-so. Eden Hazard is not as good as Yaya. Eden fine. Hazard is not as good as Sess. Eden Hazard is not as good as Aguero. Eden Hazard is not as good as Pogba. Eden Hazard is not as good as Alexis Sanchez. Eden Hazard is not as good as Aubameyang, so on and so forth. But the thing is... Even Hazard is that is that point everybody weighs everyone else off of. Exactly. So he's that scale. Are you better or worse than Eden Hazard? Are you Eden though? Are you Eden though? Yeah. Are you Hazard though? Are you Eden Eden Hazard though? Yeah, I, I got it the first time. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're good. But I just, I just want to clarify for our fans. Okay. For our fans. But it's crazy. He's been in the Prem for six, seven years at this point, and he is always the one people compare other top players to. So if that doesn't speak volumes to his talent and character, I don't know what does. And this game was just the epitome of it. He's fucking brilliant on the pitch. He is just so good once he gets close to the 18. He just cuts in, and it's just... He just has so he's just so smart. Like he just has so much awareness and he knows how to put it in the back of the net. He's so accurate. I have nothing but great words for Eden Hazard. And you know what? You know, Chelsea's been going through a lot of turmoil right now of like Conte, Antonio Conte to be specific, and Bakioko sucking dick. I'm not gonna mix Don't show I'm, 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 I'm not gonna mince words. Him and Granit Xhaka have been the worst central defensive midfielders in the Premier League next to Matic. All year long. Well, Matic had some great in the beginning of the year. Yeah, had two months. Don't yeah, don't go yeah, easy yeah, on yeah, him. No. I'm just saying, like, in terms of signings this year, Granite, Matic, Bakioko, I know Granite was last year, but I'm going to say, like, in terms of midf- all have sucked and have not lived up to what they want to do. And Nagoli Conte is like, what am I supposed to do? And, like, it just comes down to, like, 
when Eden Hazard shows up and it's it's so good and I feel like it's been kind of overshadowed by the controversy with the manager of, with Antonio Conte that's what I was trying to get to that there's been so much controversy over some of the stunning losses by Chelsea this year that you know it's when you get reminded of the player that which is Eden Hazard you're just like oh my god he's a world-class player holy shit he's maybe top 10 yeah he is brilliant to watch and you know what I don't want to take any credit away from the other players on Chelsea. Victor Moses got the set second goal. Um, you got Cesc Fabregas pulling the strings. You got Morata rotting the bench. Conte doing his goddamn thing in that central midfield. You got Courtois. You got everybody else. Everyone's contributing to it. But this season, this season, even though they are in third place right now, fourth place right now, 20 points behind City, four points behind... Um, Manchester United and Todd live with Liverpool right now. So the big question at the end of the season, and the question that I've had on my mind for the last month, month and a half, Conte, do you stay or do you go? Do you go onto that greener field? Do you go back to Italy where you're respected, where people see that, yeah, this motherfucker won his Premier League in the first year he was ever in the Premier League. This motherfucker is the real deal. Or do you stick with England with that constant shit talking and that constant doubting. So, at the end of the season, in that summer quote unquote transfer window, Conte stay or go? Um, I would think he goes. I think the media has suggested it. I think he suggested it. I think Morata has suggested it. Even though he's come back healthy, he suggested that his heart's still Madrid. I think there is. I think there's a big shakeup at Chelsea. At the end of the summer. That's just my take. I mean, you, I could be completely wrong, but this is just my feelings at the time. I feel like Hazard goes. I feel like Nigoli Conte could possibly go. I, f- I know that's a big leap. I think there's a big shakeup at Chelsea. I think Abramovich feels that, and I feel like he's going to bring in a lot of pieces. He has the money, and I feel like uh, Antonio Conte goes, and I feel like there's a huge shakeup. But good on Chelsea. They're getting back on the right foot, trying to stay in that top four fight. I feel like at the end, recently, Liverpool's been on it. Tottenham's been on it. Manchester United's been on it. So top four is getting very heated. But that's our uh, that's our, that's our our Chelsea talk. But uh, if you want to stay tuned, uh, this we have a great interview of Stan White right now. So uh, do, should we go to that? I think we should, dude. All right. All right. If this you guys are still listening, check yeah, it out. Yeah. Woo! Hey, guys. We are now joined by our good friend, uh, fellow lad, I can say that. I oh, can yeah. say that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. You get that title. You get that title. Um, uh, Mr. Stan White. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at StanWhite87. It's white with a Y, which always throws me off. I always want to type with an I, but um, he is also a part of at Atlantic City FC. Join the revolution. Um, so, Stan, how are you doing? Uh, good. Good, good. I got a nap in, so I'm ready to rock and roll. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, been a big fan since since the jump, and uh, I don't know. I felt like sometimes like a creeper, like you know, on Twitter, <laughs> you know, stalking you guys, or whatever. But uh, all my hard work paid off. So here we go tonight. Hell yeah, man! And uh, just so uh, the people know a bit more about you, tell us uh, who you support, why you support them, all that fun stuff. The why you like soccer? Uh, what, what what interests you about this shit? Um. Wow. Yeah. Fucking Christ, boys. That's a deep ass question. <laughs> Why do I like soccer or the beautiful game or football, whatever the hell you want to call it? Um, it's all about movement, you know. It's just there's nothing better than seeing two players linked up, you know, tiki taka playing in triangles. It's just I can't 
describe uh, anything more fun than watching, like, for instance, you know, Hazard from Maratha and back to Hazard and see Hazard with just a little chip into the bottom left corner. There's nothing more beautiful than that. It's orgasmic, damn near. Um, <laughs> I'm hard all the time, but especially soccer. That really gets my, gets my, gets my jimmies going. Um, but no, that's awesome. Yeah, when you see, like, the link-up plays, like, especially for your club, Liverpool FC, between Salah, Mane, and Firmino, like, that back heel by Firmino the other day was just so tasty. I, I came in my <laughs> my, girlfriend, I, my girlfriend was five feet from me. I wasn't. I didn't care about her at all at the time. It was beautiful. No, that, I beautiful. totally get that. You always got to put football above all girls, all boys, especially anybody with, else. Especially Valentine's Day tomorrow. Oh yeah, with Champions League going on. Uh, she's gonna listen to this too. She's gonna. I'm. I'm in the doghouse. That's <laughs> cool. That's cool. I can deal with it. I'm a big boy. All right. Well, um, <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move into some soccer questions. Uh, Martin, you want to start us off? Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry, Stan. This is going to be another deep one. Uh, so after that Bosnia Herzegovina loss, that bone crushing loss, what were your immediate thoughts? You know, like how can we fix this going forward? Now that we know we're shit, we're shit in the world, we're out of the World Cup. What were your first thoughts to addressing all the issues that we saw going up to this game, and then eventually getting the fuck out of the World Cup? Hashtag new fed now. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I didn't want to lead with this, but okay, my short and quick answer to that question is boycott. Um, when I say boycott, I mean boycott the Federation. And I know it's not a popular topic, and I'm going to get arrows on my back for this, and uh, there'll be some sort of uh, detrimental whatever value to myself in the community. But I believe that if you really want change in this corrupt fucking Federation, you boycott everything to do with the USMT, MNT, and the women's national team. That means you don't watch. That means you don't buy fucking tickets. That means you don't support the national team. Oh, my God. He's a commie. So the fuck what? Deal with it. Um, that's the only way that we're going to get changed. That's the only way that we're going to end pay-for-play. That's the only way that we're going to end uh, the systemic racism uh, throughout the country, ignoring minorities who play the game beautifully and for passion. Not saying that the other kids don't either, but I mean we're ignoring so much talent that it's it's got awful for what we're doing to the careers of say Pulisic, say a Jordan Morris, say a Bobby Wood, uh, Weston Weston McKinney, DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, so many guys are being wasted right now, but literally because of the fact that we have a corrupt federation. So I didn't bother watching the match, the friendly against Bosnia. Um, it meant nothing to me, and it will the U.S. soccer. USSF will continue to be nothing to me until change happens. Okay, yeah, no, I feel like we just asked you like a what's in Pandora's box, and we just like <laughs> definitely unlocked it for you. I'm very sorry we opened up with that, um, but that's, that's awesome. Okay. No, 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 we see your passion, which we're very excited about, and obviously there are a lot of problems, and I know that's a very open. You could probably write a whole uh, doctorate on the whole problems that are going on with U.S. soccer. So it's very. I, I enjoy the passion and the boycott. It's kind of like people were saying, like. Uh, boycott Donald Trump's uh, what's it called uh, what's it State of the Union so he'll get less viewers it's kind of like along those lines where it's like nothing's going to happen unless there is some type of action so I do like I do like where you're coming from yeah and let me just uh, jump on this train I'm I'm actually going to disagree just based on two reasons first reason is totally totally selfish and I'm aware of it is I just want to watch soccer and if there's soccer on I mean, you're going to have to tackle me or physically remove me from a room to make me not watch it. But the second reason is, 
I think that if we were to boycott it, you know, if we were not to watch any of the games, support any of the players, then that not only it does hurt the federation, but it also hurts the team itself. Uh, we can't really hold these players, the Pulisic's, the Woods, the Morris's, the Yedlin's, all those great players, like you said, we can't really boycott them when they haven't made these decisions. They're, they're out there practicing their ass, ass off, and I want to see them do well. And you know what? I, I, I support U.S. soccer, and I definitely do not support the corruption of it, but at the same time, I can't take my eyes off of it. I think that's fair, Martin. Um, I really, really think that's fair. Um, I've been a fan of the national team since before you guys were born, probably, more than likely. <laughs> that's uh, fair. I'm an old that's... guy. I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I, I've come to grips with it. Uh, it is what it is. Um, People say we have wisdom so, behind beyond our years. What, what do you think about that take? Highly agree. Oh, highly okay, agree. good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it's, you. it's the course, anger and the sadness that we've endured as soccer fans for quite some time. Oh, it ages you. It, it does. Ages. But, uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I, uh, yeah, I just, um, I agree. I agree with, um, with, uh, with your sentiments there, uh, Martin. And actually, I just want to, uh, take the time. I was listening to a different podcast. Sorry. How Real dare podcast. you? I know, I know. I'm sorry. Well, you, you guys are, well, every day I would never listen to anyone else. But, uh, oh, it's, it's uh, okay. Brand new at the supporter show, and he's basically talking about how there's a responsibility of U.S. supporters to support the national team. I get it. But uh, I still want to boycott because I'm fucking pissed. Hey, and that's okay. It's good to be angry. It's like that uh, that old movie, The Network, where it's like, I'm so damn angry and I can't mm-hmm. take it anymore. And it's the same thing. It's uh, um, Thanks for the reference. Uh, I think that was an Oscar winner. Anyway, um, it's, 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 very, uh, it's a good response. It's good to be responsive in these type of times. So, I, so what are your uh, thoughts about the U.S. Pres, uh, U.S. presidential election? That's a different. That's, <laughs> that's a whole new thing. That's a, that's a whole different oh, podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we, we we stick to sports around here, kinda. Um, yes, thank you, thank uh, you, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> I get it. So anyway, so the whole uh, U.S. soccer, uh, what's it called, election just occurred, and you were a big Winata fan, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh... We were actually called the Winalda Bros, um, and you know, whatever, that's what the uh, MLS supporters and the Pro Federation supporters called us, but yeah, I was all for hashtag Winalda for USSF. Okay, so um, uh, give us your thoughts. I mean, we didn't really follow it too much, we're going to be honest, because we do a lot of Premier League and World Soccer, and obviously we're a big U.S. men's national team, and this obviously has ramifications for that, but we've we've been busy. I just got back from Denver, hashtag 420, and, you know. It, <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Wow, okay. <laughs> I, I just hope my grandparents don't listen to this anymore. But it's, it, You can edit it out in post, Kevin. Yeah, we'll, it's all right. We'll, we'll take in, care of it. We'll get in post. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, so tell us about the election. There was, I know Kyle Martino, right? He was in it. The guy from NBC, um, he was in it. Uh, uh, Hope Solo. Solo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you go ahead. I don't know shit. You go ahead. Okay. So the, there were eight candidates in total and I might even miss a couple. Uh, we mentioned Winalda. We mentioned Martino. We mentioned, uh, uh, Caliguri or, uh, well, the, the Italian guy whose name starts with a P, Paul. Paul C. Let's go with that. Um, I'm going to trust you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Michael Winograd, uh, Paul Point was actually in uh, in the early running, but he, uh, I believe he dropped out. Um, Michael Winograd, I mentioned him, he's a lawyer. Paul Cordero, Kathy fucking Carter, who was appointed by Sunil Galati, her fucking boss, to run, uh, basically as a shadow puppet. Um, <clears throat> those were your main players. Uh, Cordero eventually won out. Um, Hope Solo was a late entry as well on the reform campaign. And, I mean, I'll just put it out there. I've always had the biggest crush on Hope Solo. Say whatever you want. But I actually garnered a lot of respect for her with her campaign and her actual support of women's soccer and not just being out there like a fucking fraud like Kathy Carter was. It, it, it was disgusting. And yeah. Yet, uh, uh, so, basically, what Cordero did was he the way he won was he got the athletes council now i won't sit here and break down how the votes were weighed it, it's a very convoluted process um basically he got the athletes council which re- represented somewhere between 30 to 40 percent of the total vote once he got the ac to back him it was over it was over and there were multiple ballots that were i think there was like several rounds but it was over early it was over quickly so uh cordero if you're wondering carlos cordero was formerly the vice president of the United States Soccer Federation underneath Sunil Galati. Now he is the president. What we talk about when we say we want change, you're not going to get it from some guy who's sitting, uh, sitting underneath Galati who's got his hands in his pockets with Robert fucking Kraft. That's neither here nor there, but it is. But I won't go that far down the rabbit hole, boys. Um, we, we got fucked. And you know, now, essentially, what we're going to be undergoing is more of the same. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 I just want to say, like, yeah, I mean, anyone who's associated with the Patriots can go fuck themselves. So I'm all about that. And second, it's, yeah. and second, it's all about the whole, like, well, if we get rid of Trump, Pence is way better. It's like, well, it's just still going to suck. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a vice president who's right under the guy you think who sucks. Why don't you think, like, it would make a difference? Like, they're both, like, essentially think the same thing, essentially. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it, it, huh, yeah, it's, it's not good, boys. It's really not good. So, I mean, with that being said, I know I started out with a heavy, you know, I basically just threw a Molotov cocktail on the situation, but that's the way I live my life, so whatever. Um, yeah, boycott. Dude, I mean, I I don't follow it. Like Kev said, we uh, normally, like, keep really up to date with the Premier League stuff, world soccer stuff, but I saw a lot about uh, Carlos Codiero or Condario, what, whatever his name is. But I saw a lot of him just representing more of the same. More of that mediocre mediocre team who's okay with players playing in the MOS and not looking after themselves and their own talents. And I don't know if you read this. Uh, Jeff Cameron had just posted a, uh, a blog. It's yeah. phenomenal. I would definitely suggest you read it. He really hits on all the points. And one of the things he said is, that after Klinsman left, and I'm not a fan of Klinsman, and neither was Jeff Cameron. I know Kev wasn't either. But after he left, the air in the room, the idea behind uh, getting to the World Cup was just get there. It doesn't matter if you play well. Just get there. Just bring us that money. And I fear that just hiring his second in command is going to bring more of that. And he can talk out of his ass as much as he wants about bringing change. But... I don't think we can see that um, in any realm, whether it be sports, politics, um, until we get a man who has really, man or woman, who has really come through the ranks of U.S. soccer, knows what it's like to either succeed or fail, 
and brings new and, and different ideas to the table. And I, I am not a fan of Hope Solo. I wanted to say that after uh, you said that I, I hate Hope Solo, but I think she is a strong candidate. If you ignore her, you know, off the pitch antics, She's a phenomenal athlete. She cares yeah, 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 deeply. Yeah. I'm about that aggressive, like Fuck powerful, you, dude. powerful. Fuck like, you, powerful, I'm about that. Powerful I hate woman. her. I hate I, her. I'm all about that. You smack me around. Um, <laughs> Heard it here first, guys. Yeah, yeah. Smack Kevin oh, around. Man. Please smack oh, me around. Um, anyway, um, let's not that's joke that, about domestic that. abuse. Um, but go on, Stan. What do you? What's your response? Uh, as far as uh, for what uh, for Hope Solo um, or for what uh, I'm sorry, I kind of lost track there. Um, do I what would you like me to respond to there's a lot there's so much here guys yeah I mean like essentially just like so overall the feeling with US men's soccer is not good we're just feeling it's just just kind of like an unnerving feeling and is that what you're feeling yes um, I wouldn't even say it's unnerving well you know what let's let's, let's talk about that let's talk about you know um, the men's national team let's talk about 10-10-17 you know, that's, that's where this really isn't set there, but I think it pressed it there. Um, the whole idea of, yeah, let's just get into the World Cup. That shit doesn't fucking work. We're playing 4-4-2 with a flat back forward, no Bobby Windbacks. Press, just sit there and take it. What the fuck was that? Michael Bradley's your 10 still? We're still trying to... That bullshit? Seriously? Yeah, I... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, tactics-wise, that's one of the things Jeff Cameron talked about in the Players' Tribune. He was like, uh, Bruce Arena essentially set them up for failure. He said, like, why would you defend so much when you know you have to at least get a draw or win? You have to attack. So, yeah, go on. Uh, you're playing a flat 4-4-2, no creativity. You know, you, you it took you six months to basically tell um, Lissick Wonderboy hey, go out there and just be a free-roaming 10. Well, duh, no shit. He's the best technically gifted player that we've had in, I don't know, 25, 30 years, maybe ever. It took you eight months to figure that out, Bruce? Come on, you're better than that. Or at least I thought you were, Long Island bastard. <laughs> um, I mean, with the scene of him sitting there in a chair when we're down 2-0 at Trinidad Fago was maybe one of the, I'll never forget that image. I'll never forget that. And that image of him just sitting there while we're 2-0 down and a winner go home, uh, or draw, even, you know, get anything by loss, any, any other result but a loss, that image of him just sitting there taking notes in the 35th minute. Whoop, uh, oh, my God. It just... Pretty much playing with himself. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that is why I'm I'm so mad. I mean, I will never forget that night. I was so mad. I mean, the equivalency would be as if I got cheated on and dumped and my clothes turned out and set on gasoline and set it with kerosene in front of my face <laughs> all at the same time. That's how I felt for a good 36 hours. Like, my heart was ripped out and then stabbed repeatedly. You know, that that's is what, that is probably, like, the best comparison that I have ever heard in my entire life. And I can 100% get behind that idea. I, I'm all about that whole, yeah. like, cheated on, got thrown into fire comparison. Yeah, I'm yeah. all about that, yeah. So, I think... You know, we've we've uh, talked about a lot of depressing shit so far. So let's talk yeah. about something. Let's talk about something beautiful. But before we do, Stan, this is uh, your time. If you can say anything to the U.S. soccer president, who I know is listening right now, he's a he's a he's a follower. He's, he's a, a follower. He's a lad. He's and a- to the kids out there who who are growing up playing soccer, trying to break it into the next level, what can you say to them? 
Support your small league, your non-league clubs. Any club that's in the NPSL, the lower divisions, you know, like I said, I, uh, shout out the ACFC, like CFC. Um, you know, there's millions, of, not millions, but there's hundreds of clubs. It really starts at, at the bottom of the pyramid. We, we're, we're fighting for pro-rail, pro-rail for USA on one side. On the other side, we're fighting for and pay for play. But if you support your non-league clubs, it will show the status quo that we're not going away. And I'll say that to every seven-year-old, to every 80-year-old who loves the game here in this country. And there's a lot of us. So support your small, your, your non-league clubs. That's, 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 that's all I can say. Uh, uh, also, shout out Bug Eaters FC. They're our brother club in Nebraska. Hashtag farm the pitch. Hashtag defend NEB. Oh, oh word. It. Hell yeah, that spoke to me like on a deep level. Yeah, like Kevin and I are looking yeah, at each other, trying not to tear up right now. It's 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 <laughs> yo, really yo, beautiful yo, over yo, here. Let's not lose our man card. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, anyway, um, wow, that was that was sweet. Also, before we move into Liverpool, a very uh, great topic in five words: describe Alexi Lalas, a fellow ginger. Ooh. All right, not five. How many words do you want? Let's do a couple uh, sentences. Rant. Okay. Hi, Alexi. At Alexi Lalas. Make sure you get at him and get in his motherfucking mentions. You fucking corporate show piece of shit, dirtbag asshole. Stop lying. Stop lying. Stop snitching. Tell the truth. That's all I got. That's all right, beautiful. All right. all right. That's all we need. That's all we need. Um, you know, as a fellow ginger, I like, uh, what's it called? Like sympathize with him because he deals with ginger problems such as the sun. So, um, so, you know, like I feel bad for the guy. He also had the worst fucking hairstyle goatee ever. This great soccer. Um, anyway, let's move on to Liverpool FC. Um, so Stan, as a big, uh, Liverpool, uh, fan, obviously you have, you got some beef of Martin cause he's a Manchester United fan as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just like, eh, but so tell us, it must feel pretty good to be a Liverpool fan. Your, your front three, your attack is phenomenal. Um, yeah, we're, we're flying on all cylinders. Uh, real quick, Marty, I love you, man, but fuck you right now. Hey, you um, can fuck right off, dude. I don't <laughs> love you. I'll kill you right now. <laughs> you throw hands? No. Uh, <laughs> I broke my arm the night of the Super Bowl, and I'm walking around with a sling on, and I keep telling people, like, hey, you want to throw one and a half hands? Like, that's a well, running joke right now. I'm really pretty sure I can beat you, you then, so let's throw hands. Yeah. I'm just saying, natural <laughs> selection, Darwinism, I think he's got I win. Yeah. yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, um, go on. So, yeah, I mean, you, obviously we got a big picture tomorrow night. Well, tomorrow afternoon for us. 2.45 at Porto. I don't know what to expect, but, I mean, as far as the league is concerned, we're we're in pretty decent form right now. We're four points off United, uh, sitting in third. And, you know, we beat, uh, what, three weeks ago, we beat the best team in all of Europe. So that was a hell of a day for me, um, for our Liverpool supporters worldwide. Man City. Um, I think the biggest problem right now is probably the short, the, the lack of depth in the midfield. Um, obviously with Phil fucking off to Barca, fucking snake. But um, you know when he left us in Barcelona, uh, we, uh, we were left uh, short in midfield. Uh, and unfortunately, one of my favorite players, Georgino Ronaldo, is actually getting a lot of hate because now he's in the spotlight. He's in the limelight um, for all the wrong reasons. Um, they say he doesn't do enough. They say, you know, he doesn't score enough goals. It's, you know, what does he do well? Is you know, a lot of, you know, criticism that I'm seeing. And it's just like, hey, he's basically the exact same player that James Milner is. 
Now, I won't get into why Milner gets praise and Wijnaldum gets hated on. I'm, I'm not here for that tonight. I'm not here for that. It's because um, he scores penalties. <laughs> I'm just um, saying. I'm just. You want to know? I just told you. This is true. This is this is, this is true. He does he does convert from the spot fairly well. I think he's around seventy percent or so. Um, I know the last one he took, like he's fucking missed. Yeah, yeah and then he there. he got removed from duty. It's like he was like nine for nine, and then after that, it was like, well, well, you missed one. <laughs> yeah, and then you know we went, kind of went down. Okay, let's let uh, let's let's let everyone take one, and let's figure it out. Because I know Bobby hit the post against Sevilla back in the fall. That was terrible. Um, Salah missed one. I it's we're we're not doing too good from the spot. I say let Ox have a go at it. Somebody, anybody, let Virgil do something. Um, Virgil. I mean, he can't defend, so you might as well, you know, let him oh, try and take a penalty. Oh, wow. <laughs> Coming out swinging, Stan. I'm, I'm sorry. Swinging. I love it. I love it. I love it. How's Alexis doing, by the way? Missing open nets. The bane of my existence. <laughs> but, Stan, I wanted to ask you this because, I mean, both you and I, Kev, and any soccer fan in the world right now knows who Liverpool's front three is. And even without Coutinho, I mean, they look something out of a fairy tale. I mean, God Firing damn it. Firing on all cylinders. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. So what's the next step under Jurgen Klopp? Y'all have had him for three years now, just about three years now. And I'm a huge proponent of keeping your manager around. Let him fix his mistakes. So what is what is uh, Liverpool's goals at the end of this season and at the start of next season? I'd say we have to finish second. No offense to you, Marty, but, I mean, if you guys slide, you slide. If he dies, he dies. If he um, dies. Oh, oh, yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Shout out to yeah. Chris Malling. Uh, <laughs> um, we have to finish second uh, to, to look attractive enough for the transfer window, the summer transfer window. Um, and I think as far as future goals are concerned, Improve, continue to improve the back line. Uh, I don't think Massive is good enough. I don't really think um, Lavrin and even though uh, the Estonian gangster, um, God, his name is something, uh, oh God. Clavrin. He's quite uh, No, not Lavrin. Who's the other guy? The, the other. Clavrin. 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 Ragnar Clavrin. Yes. Um, yeah, so with those two guys, we're just not strong enough at the back. Um, we need another world class center back. We need to figure out who's going to play left back because between Moreno and Robertson, it's just not good enough right now. Um, and improve the middle of the park. I think we really need someone who's uh, holding center mid. I don't know what's up with Emma Chan, but he's, he's just too inconsistent match to match. I love him as a talent, but is he ready? You know? So, uh, we've got Kaipa coming in, so if if, 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 uh, if he gets this place, he gets this place. Uh, uh, I'm not really too concerned. I really think, though, we have our number one goalkeeper, and that's something I've kind of been avoiding until just now. Um, I think Karius, even though he will steal your girl from you at a moment's notice. Yo, that he boy, yo, like, yo, he's like a fucking snack. Um, <laughs> he, he's got, like, the best hair, too. It is so, it's like, I haven't seen hair like that since Giroud. It is so slicked, so nice. That It's really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, hide your wives and hide your girlfriends when he's around. Um, but as far as him between the pipes, I mean, he's amazing. I thought he was great uh, in the match against Spurs. I don't really want to get into that because I'll just start swearing again. Um, not good. wasn't a good match, but um, 
from uh, his perspective as a goalkeeper, I thought he really shined in that match and obviously had a clean sheet over the weekend. So I'm not really too concerned about goalkeeper now. Bye-bye, Nicks, because he blows. He's so bad. Yeah, Mignolet is literally dumpster fire to a a T. Yes, yes. Um, And I mean, you know, Kev, you know about, you know, shitty goaltending, you know, throughout the years. You actually have a decent goalkeeper right now. He's okay. He's okay. He's a little bit up there in years. But he's looking down over the weekend. He made some pretty, really good saves in Derby. Yeah, I mean, Um, don't get me wrong. It probably should have been like 4-0 against the Spurs. But, you know, um, I mean, we've had like Fabianski. We've had a slew of bad goalkeepers. So I understand the pain. Um, so I think we're good at the back. And then, like, lastly, the front three. I mean, what is there to say about them? Uh, I I think the only detriment right now to the front three is Mane not necessarily being informed. But, I mean, if you have to sacrifice a little bit of Mane form from a season of a lifetime from Mo Salah, then I'll take that every year and for infinity. Yeah. Uh, and then... And I think the key to our front three is Bobby's pressing. Without Bobby's effort, without his creativity, without his clinical finishing in front of goal. I know he's missed some sitters, but, you know, holler at Christian Benteke, and then, or Lacazette. Oh, ugh, trash. Um, Dude, I know it fucking hurts. Don't don't fucking don't fucking remind me. I'm trying to. We're trying to let you talk about your team. Don't remind me how trash my striker is. Alright, I got I got one bone to pick with you, Stan, and then we're gonna let you go. This has been awesome. Um So we've got a Ferrari as your attack. We've got like the biggest, baddest Ferrari with the most turbo, most whatever. And then you go to the midfield and it's still a beautiful car. But you're saying that you trust Carius. You trust Loris Carius as your number one goalkeeper and I'm not talking shit as a Manchester United fan, but I'm kind of talking shit as a Manchester United fan. You're going to trust Karius to be your number one goalkeeper under the golden years of that front three. Because if I'm Klopp right now, I'm going out there, I'm getting Oblak. I'm getting Kevin Trapp. I'm, uh, he, he's got that Rihanna, man. Okay, Rihanna. Okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> so, if, are you, can you tell me straight up that you want Karius as your goalkeeper for the next three, four years? For the next 15. Woo! Oh, all right. Well, you know, the man <laughs> is... Me, bro. A, he is me, bro. <laughs> he is a man of conviction. And I love that, Stan. Uh, but, Stan, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. But thank you so much. This has been so much fun. We appreciate it. We try and do stuff for everyone who loves our show and bring them on. So thank you so much for coming on. This has been a real pleasure. Guys, appreciate it. Can't wait to listen. All right, great. Um, all right, well, I don't know how to close shows, so hey, take it easy. <laughs> take it, Slizzy. All right, see you guys. Sometimes you feel like I'm just talking.